Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you um, just for this beautiful day that we can look back and remember that there was a time that you came down from heaven and impressed yourself upon our earth for our sakes, to pay for our sins, Lord God. And so we celebrate this day and we stand in awe to think that you loved us so much that you became a man to die for our sins upon a cross that we might have eternal life. So we don't take that lightly, Lord. We love you. We ask that you bless this time as we look into a familiar story, a true story, a story about your love. Bless this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Thanks, buddy. All right. Luke chapter 2. Everybody there? Everybody got your Bible? You're all good? Yep. Amen. All right. Luke chapter 2. I want to do something a little different. I want to look at a group of people on this day that were looked down upon. And um, I entitled this message, The Outcasts Were First. The Outcasts Were First. And I'm referring to the shepherds. So let's read Luke 2. Look at verse 8. It says this, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over the flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day, in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in the manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I find this really fascinating that the Lord shows Himself to the outcasts first. In the eyes of the people, the shepherds were considered the lowest life in Israel. Shepherds were looked down on. They were called thieves. They were called liars. You couldn't trust them. They weren't even allowed to testify in court because they were always known to be liars and deceitful. And so if anybody despised shepherds in Israel, it was the Jews. But the irony is the the way they despised the shepherds, the way they judged them, the way they were critical against them, the way they lacked love towards the shepherd, I find it kind of ironic that that's where they would go to buy their lambs to sacrifice for their sins. These guys were looked down upon. And we see that our Lord, the Creator of heavens and earth, appears to them first. The outcasts. The shepherds were there. Not the wise men. The wise men weren't there. When you read in the Gospels, you find out the wise men didn't show up to a year or two later and they met with Jesus in the house. This is in the manger. So if you got a nativity scene, you'll notice I put the wise men over here because they're not there yet. And God chooses to reveal by an angel and all of heavenly hosts that the child, our Lord Jesus Christ, 
had come into our world and was born to a bunch of outcasts. People that people looked at as low life, not worthy, scum of the earth. And maybe you're here today and you feel like an outcast. Maybe you feel like everything's going wrong in your life. Maybe you feel like people look down on you, that nobody has any respect for you. Maybe you feel, in a sense, like a loser. I, I think most of us at one point in our life have felt like outcasts or losers. I, I know I did right before I gave my life to the Lord. I had tried everything the world had to offer. It left me empty. And God allows an empty hole in every man and woman's heart that can only be filled with Jesus. There's never enough money. There's never enough power. There's never enough uh, drugs or sex or immorality. There's just never enough. You're never satisfied. It always leaves you empty. But Jesus Christ can fill that hole that's in every man or woman's heart. And He is the fulfillment of all the Scriptures. He's the real thing. He loved you so much, He came down from glory, born of a virgin, to come into this world to die for our sins. That's an amazing thing when you stop and think about it. He couldn't come fully God in a sense because God can't die. So the only way that He could die for your sins was to come down fully God fully man in order for the man side of him to die to rise again the third day to pay for our sins and to offer us the gift of salvation if you're here today maybe you got dragged here maybe it was uh, you know uh, somebody said hey it's christmas would you come to church with me praise god i'm so thankful that you're here because god loves you and maybe you feel like an outcast. Maybe you feel like everybody's turned on you. Maybe you feel like the world's crashing in. Your career's not working. You don't have enough money to pay your bills. Nothing seems to be going right. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what will go right is to choose Jesus Christ. Amen. He's Lord. He's Savior. And I'm telling you, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I don't want you to leave here without knowing Jesus. You know, there are no losers in the kingdom of God. They are all winners. And God came in the flesh to save us. Now the interesting thing is, is that God was silent for some 400 years before this. Malachi is the last book of the Bible in the Old Testament. And when Malachi finished with the promise of Elijah to come before the judgment, God was silent for 400 years. No more books were written for 400 years. No more prophecies, no more prophets for 400 years. And God breaks His silence with a priest named Zacharias. Zachariah was a priest doing his priestly duties. He was burning incense in the temple. And while he's burning incense in the temple, Gabriel, one of the angels of God, a messenger we see, comes with a message to Zacharias that God has heard your prayers. They have been praying, him and his wife Elizabeth have been praying for a child for years. And no doubt, it, they're up into their 70s, 80s, no child, looked down upon, frowned upon, outcasts to the neighbors around. You say outcasts, why outcasts? Because in those days, if you couldn't have a child, there was a stigma attached to you that God frowned upon you. He, God was displeased with you. You somehow had some kind of sin in your life and God was punishing you with no child. 
And Gabriel comes to him and he says, listen, you're going to have a son. His name's going to be John. He's going to be John the Baptist. He's going to be the forerunner for Jesus Christ. The Messiah is going to come six months after you are born. And you're going to be the forerunner to lead the people to the feet of the Messiah. Zacharias couldn't believe it. He was blown away. He says, how can this happen? King James says that they were stricken in years. I like that. Him and his wife were stricken in years. Old age will beat you up. And he tells him, God has heard your prayers. I love that. They've been praying for what? 60 years? And God had heard their prayers? Keep praying, guys. Keep praying. And so it came to be. He went home. Him and his wife Elizabeth conceived. They had a child. And when that child was born, there was rejoicing. Rejoicing with Zechariah and, and Elizabeth, all their friends. Because why? Because Elizabeth had praised the Lord that God had removed her reproach of men. They were looked down on for not being to have a child. And God saved it for such a time as this. He waited till it was virtually impossible. He waited for a time that where they could not have children. She was past that, those years of doing that. He was past those years. He, he showed that it was God that did everything. And then, so then we pick up the story in uh, chapter 1 where it continues on. And we see that God prophesied back in Micah that the Messiah was going to come. And because every Jewish woman was hoping that she would have a son and was hoping that she would bring forth the Messiah because of this very Scripture, Micah chapter 5, verse 2, which says, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. Therefore he shall give them up until the time that she, who is in labor, has given birth. And so every woman was desiring that she would bring forth the Messiah. John the Baptist would be the forerunner to lead the way. And John the Baptist was actually, in a sense, Jesus' cousin because Elizabeth and Mary, who gave birth to Jesus, were cousins. John the Baptist was a great man. He was a powerful preacher. He didn't pull any punches. He never did a miracle. He preached the Word of God. He preached the Word of truth. And in Luke 16, 16, it says that the law and the prophets were until John. What does that mean? That means that John closed the Old Testament. That John was the final prophet of the Old Testament. The law and the prophets were until John, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Matthew 11, 11 says something that's totally amazing, mind-blowing to me. It says that assuredly, this was Jesus speaking, assuredly I say unto you, among these born of a woman, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. That's Jesus our Savior proclaiming that those born of a woman, I don't know about you, but I was born of a woman, there are none greater than John the Baptist. But then he says something else which is totally mind-blowing after that. He says, but he who is the least of the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. So no man born of a woman is greater than John the Baptist, but he, 
you, me, who are least in the kingdom, is greater than he. You and I are greater than John the Baptist because of our position in Christ Jesus as the bride of Christ. Is that amazing? That's pretty exciting. I don't know about you, but I like that. And so as we keep continuing on in the Scriptures, go to Luke chapter 1, and we'll look at what happened six months after the announcement of John the Baptist. Gabriel comes to Mary. Chapter 1 of Luke, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his sayings and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in the womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered, and he said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren, for with God nothing will be impossible. Amen. Can I get an amen? Then Mary said, Behold, thy maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Wow. Now, here comes the tricky part. She's betrothed to Joseph. They're engaged. Engagements would last up to about a year. The only way to break off an engagement was actually with a bill of divorce. That's how important they were. They were to stay virgins all through the engagement until the day that they're finally married. So now you've got a situation. You've got Joseph, a virgin. You've got Mary, a virgin. They're engaged to be married. And now she's going to come to him and say, Hey, Joe, i got to tell you something. He says, What, Mary? I'm pregnant. But it's okay. It's a God thing. How well would any of you men receive that from your fiance? You've never been with anybody. She's never been with anybody. She comes to you and she says, hey, I'm pregnant. Don't worry about it. It's okay. It's a God thing. You're like, who did it? It's a God thing. It's okay. What, what are you talking about? Who's going to believe that? He was just as upset as any of you would have been, and God had to send his angel to calm him down to say, Joseph, it's okay. It's everything she says. The Holy Spirit's going to overshadow her. She's going to become pregnant with the Messiah. She's going to give birth, the virgin birth. The prophecy will be fulfilled. But you know what? The sad part was that um, Joseph and Mary were looked down on. They were considered outcasts all of their life. There was a stigma that it was upon their marriage because 
In the eyes of the people, she was an adulteress. In the eyes of the people, Joseph should have stoned her to death. And the fact that they were now bringing forth this son, this bastard son, was just appalling and horrifying to them. And Mary and Joseph have to live with this stigma all of their life, raising the kids of people looking down, people looking at them as they're losers. They're, they're no good. You don't, don't have anything to do with them. You know, Jesus said that we would suffer much for his namesake. To know him in the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And she just kind of had to bear with that all of her life until the cross. And even though her cousin Elizabeth, her reproach was lifted when she had the child, Mary's wasn't until after the resurrection when people saw that Jesus was really everything she said he was up until that time. And so she's got to go home and talk to Joseph. The Lord sends an angel to calm Joseph down. And then we see in verse 39, it says, Mary arose in those days and went into the hill countries with haste, to the city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the baby inside Elizabeth leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And then we see Mary breaks into this song, a beautiful song. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced. In God my Savior, for He has regarded the lowly state of His maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And And holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. He's exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Now, chapter 2, we see in verse 8, a decree go out for everyone in Israel to be registered, a census. And it says in chapter 2, verse 8, there was in that same country, oh, I, no, I'm sorry, not there, not verse 8, verse, um, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus into all the world that they should be registered. And this census first took place while Quirinus was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which was called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife 
who was with child, so it was at the while that they were there, that the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. So you picture this, guys. Your wife's in her third trimester, and you say, Honey, I'm going to put you on a donkey. We're going 70, 80 miles south to Bethlehem. Or that would be like them saying, We're going to put you on a donkey here in Kilauea, and we're going over to Kekaha. Can you imagine that trip for her, being in her third trimester? She's about ready to give birth to a child. That's not a very comfortable trip. And they get down there, and on top of it, there's no room for them anywhere. They can't find any lodging. It's packed. It's the time of registration. Now, what's interesting is that Caesar Augustus was so full of pride, he had changed his name to Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus of the gods. I am the Caesar of the gods. I am top. And he says, I'm going to show how great I am to everybody in the Roman Empire, and I'm going to make them all return to their hometown and register for the census and pay tax so I can make more money. I'm pulling the strings. But in reality, Jesus Christ was pulling the strings. Caesar was just the puppet, and God was the puppeteer. He used Caesar Augustus to put forth this creed, though he had the wrong intentions, and he was full of greed and pride. God used it for good. And he got everyone to return to their area where they were born to pay taxes, a census. And he had to do this in order to get Joseph and Mary to come down from Nazareth by, by uh, the Sea of Galilee all the way down to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that was talked about in Micah and other places of the Messiah coming. And they get down there, and there's no room for them anywhere. Now, if you ever stop and thought about that, how could there be no room for them? This is Joseph's hometown. This is where Joseph's family all are. How could there be no room? Because they were outcasts. They were outcasts in the eyes of their own family. She was an adulteress. They were bringing forth this illegitimate child. And everyone had looked down on them. But God had smiled upon them. You know, you might be here today and you don't know Jesus, and maybe there's no room for Jesus in your house. Won't you invite him in? Won't you humble yourself and ask Jesus to save you? There was no room for Jesus, and we see that there was no room for Jesus in many people's hearts today in this world. Jesus came being born in a manger, guys. A barn, possibly a cave full of animals and straw and, and, and feces and f just filth everywhere. Animal smells. Animals all around. He was laid in a trough, a feeding trough. He wasn't born in a hospital. He wasn't born in a great palace. There wasn't a big fanfare for him. There wasn't kings and princesses. and The news wasn't out. And it wasn't being covered by every news station. There wasn't all the, the famous and the who's who's of Whoville there. And there was no big celebration or anything. He came at night. He wasn't born in the day. He was born at night. He came into the darkness of men's heart. Born of a virgin in a manger. Probably the worst possible way that he could have been born. And he revealed himself to the shepherds first. And God likes to take what the world calls foolish and use them to confound the wise. 
I thought that was just like God to reveal Jesus to the shepherds first. We see that in Luke chapter 2, verse um, 8, it says we read about God revealing to the shepherds of the angels and the, of the, using the angels to reveal to the shepherds of Jesus' coming. And after they had told the shepherds that, we saw that the whole heavenly host opened up and was filled with angelic beings, singing glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And in verse 15 it says, And so it was when the angels had gone away, from them to heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in the manger. And now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, and it was told them. That's the story. What's your story? Do you know Jesus? Have you asked him into your heart? Do you believe he died on the cross? for your sins? Or maybe you're just here because somebody promised you lunch afterwards. That's awesome, but there's a bigger gift that God has, and it's the gift of salvation. You might be here, you might say, listen, I don't believe in heaven and hell, I just believe that you don't exist. Well, I'll tell you what, that doesn't change a thing. Heaven's real, and hell's real, and God is definitely real. And He came to die for your sins so you don't have to end up in hell. Just take the gift that He has to offer. Well, what do I got to do? Just have faith. What's the catch? There's no catch. How much does it cost? It's free. Well, that doesn't make sense. I know. Because nothing in this world seems to be free. That's why God just makes it so simple because He loves you so much. He came down to die for the rich and the famous. He came down to die for the outcast, for for the loser, for the poor. Why? Because He loves you. Like I said earlier, there's no losers in the kingdom of God. You are all winners. And so we're going to have the kids come up, and as they're getting ready, I just want to pray for you right now. And I just want to tell you how much God loves you. And maybe you're here today, and you just need to get back on track. God's waiting with open arms. He's waiting. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, He loves you so much, He died for you. He gave His life. No greater love than a man laid down his life for a friend. And He did that for you. And so let's bow our hearts, close our eyes, and if you want Jesus, pray this in your heart. Lord, I believe that you died on the cross for me. 
I believe you paid for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except through you. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Save me now. With all eyes closed and heads bowed, if you just prayed that in your heart, just raise your hand. Today is the day of your salvation. Amen, amen. God bless you. God bless you in the back. I see you. I see you. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Father, I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that we would be filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered, because we know everything's wrapping up and you're coming soon. And so we want to ask you to give us the strength that we need to be the men and women that we need to be to finish this race and to finish well. So we ask for you to bless us and to strengthen us, to bless our times with our family during this Christmas season, Lord God, that we'd be giving you glory and praise for the season because the reason of the season is you and you alone. And so we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.